And now, the starting lineup for Viva La Cats. At forward from Dublin, Jerome, 5'8", Josh Miller. At 5'11", forward from Coleraine High School, Justin Hiles. The man in the middle from Hughes High School, 6'5", Jimmy Nippert. At guard, your host from Loveland High School, 6'0", Joel Spencer. Head coach of the Viva La Cats podcast is the Bearcat. What's up, everyone? This is Viva La Cats, hosted by the guys of Barstool Cincinnati. I'm Joel Spencer, joined here by Josh Miller, Justin Hiles, and the one and only Jimmy Nippert. Oh, wonderful intro, Jimmy. Uh, Before we get started, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at VivaLaCatsPod. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify just by searching for VivaLaCats. No pod at the end. That's just our Twitter and Instagram. I don't know what I'm saying. Guys, there's a lot to talk about. Let's jump right into it. The biggest news since we last met is the Bengals did it. Uh, no question, no hesitation. Joe Burrow is a Cincinnati Bengal. How do we feel? Incredible. I feel alive for the first I time. Feel, I feel the most excited about the Bengals. Um, the most excited that I have in probably, I don't know, five, ten years. I feel relieved. There yeah. was so much hype leading up to Joe Burrow, but there was also so much controversy, not in like Cincinnati, but just through the national media about how Burrow didn't want to play in Cincinnati and how Cincinnati might trade back with the Dolphins because they were making a late push. But at the end of the day, like all of us knew that Joe Burrow was going to be a Cincinnati Bengal, even though there was a little bit of doubt that the Bengals were going to bungle. There's always uh, a little bit of doubt. Just a tiny bit of doubt. Uh, Dan Horde said it perfectly yesterday. I was listening to his sports talk show, uh, and he said, uh, known Bengals haters, uh, including Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, and like he listed off like all the haters that have been uh, saying, oh, like maybe the Bengals won't, uh, maybe Joe Burrow will try to force his way out of there. He didn't. He's here. He's ours. And he's wonderful. And... Yep. We could talk about this later, but we might see the return of 9 to 85 again. The year is 2005. The Bengals have been reborn once again. Boys, I'm excited. There's three uncertainties in life. Can someone tell me them? You mean uh, three not certainties? uncertainties. Three certainties. There's three this certainties. is like the third time you said uncertainties. Oh, start it again. <laughs> All right, give me a clap, Jimmy. What are the three certainties in life, boys? Uh, let me check. There's death, taxes, and 85 always being open. 85 will always be open. And now T. Higgins takes the role after Tyler Eifert. That is a pick I am so excited about. Yeah, I, I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow was the clear number one pick. There was right. no question about that. But once the second round started, there was – that's where the discussion really began, you know – were we going to take Josh Jones, the best uh, offensive lineman still available, or at least so we thought. 
but he slid a long ways um, for, I don't know if we still know the reason yet, but, um, but you know, there were just so many players still available at the top of the second, uh, second round. But yeah, we went with uh, T Higgins, uh, Clemson wide receiver who happens to be a Bengals fan and has been a Bengals fan for a very long time. AJ Green was his role model. He got teased all the time by uh, by Clemson teammates for being a Bengals fan, but just like Joe Burrow came home, T. Higgins found his way home. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, the orange and black uh, nation stretches all the way down to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he's from. So I was kind of surprised that they weren't more like Titans people. But hey, like I, it is kind of weird though to think of like uh, just a kid like who sees the Bengals being good through his like youth and he's like, I'm going to bandwagon on the Bengals. And you're like, but you chose to bandwagon with our team. Wow. That's a new one. I will say to an, to a certain extent that you have in a guy, his, in his position, somebody to look up to, you have AJ green and like to be your role model amongst all other players. I think that's a really good place to start at wide receiver. Absolutely. I mean, T Higgins, the Titans have never really been a fun team unless anyone can really think of any, like until recently with, with Vrabel. Um, but my, my memory always maybe says Vince like young, but other than that, no. Oh, that's true. But maybe, oh, that was short too. That, that era was short lived, but you're right. True. Yeah. They, but, so. uh, but the Bengals with Chad Johnson, um, T Higgins grew up with that era, Carson Palmer, um, TJ Husmanzada, like there was uh, Corey Dillon even. Um, so I get it. And also the Bengals have the best uniforms in the NFL. So who, uh, who can blame him for being a Bengals fan? Exactly. Uh, so a lot of, you know, a lot, there was a lot of, a little bit of controversy with this pick. I mean, obviously the Bengals did something that they usually don't do. They went BPA over team needs, which honestly, I think this is going to work out really well in their favor. T. Higgins is fast, he's explosive, and he's known for manhandling cornerbacks. He's so much bigger than everybody else. You can really compare him to A.J. Green. Um, his vertical game is incredible. He needs to start works on, you know, inside slants, working within the hashes. But I think this is a great pick. I love it. BPA did very well for the Bengals in the second round. Uh, Josh, do you want to? Uh, do you have the uh, the list up there of the uh, of the rest of the draft picks? Would you mind reading those off for us real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the next pick, which I think is a, a great pick, I think the Bengals went day one, day two, best case scenario. Uh, they get the linebacker out of Wyoming. That's Logan Wilson. This dude is fast. He's mean. If you watch him, when he bring, he'll bring the thunder, and he can cover very well. He's got a lot of picks. Um, he, he's a very good linebacker, and they said hey, he was going to be in the second round. The Bengals got him as a steal in the third round. Next, we got App State linebacker Akeem Davis-Gaver. Uh, Gaither, I don't know much about him, but everybody is saying that this guy is a steal. He's a great linebacker. He's fast. He's, you know, he's completely ready to play. Uh, maybe even a third round type of guy. Right after we got Khalid Kareem, who's an edge rusher. I'm surprised the Bengals went edge because, you know, we still have Dunlap. He is getting older. Uh, but again, uh, Khalid Kareem, it's, it's just the same praise. Like, it just the Bengals had a great draft. I don't need to really keep saying it. Then we finally go offensive tackle in uh, Akeem Adenji, which I think, you know, obviously finally we got team needs. I don't know much about him. He uh, has some accolades in the Big 12. I think he was second team all Big 12 in uh, <clears throat> uh, in his senior year. 
And then I think is going to be the steal of the draft. The last round, the Bengals get Marcus Bailey out of Purdue. Um, he was injured his senior year. He tore his ACL. Everybody is saying, though, that if he doesn't tear his ACL and he plays his senior year, he's probably going to be a first to second round pick. He's fast. He flies all over the field. He's very smart. And he also made the pick six against Ohio State to beat them by like 45. So I think I'm giving this draft class an A minus. I absolutely love this class. Uh, I'm ready to go to work. Yeah, I think that seventh round pick with Marcus Bailey is going to be the steal of the draft. It, it, it all comes down to whether or not he can stay healthy because not only did he tear his right ACL his senior year, he tore his left ACL either a sophomore. Uh, I think it was his sophomore year actually. So he's torn both his ACLs, um, but. We'll we'll see what can happen there, Um, but it it it's the seventh round, so it's the perfect like, like that's where you take that risk. There's essentially Mm -hmm. no risk because a lot of seventh round picks don't work out anyways. So if he happens to be a first or second round talent taken in the seventh round, that's incredible. Um, Also, three linebackers taken uh, in the draft, even more signed in uh, in free agency, but. We got faster. That's the main thing. Like last year, Lamar Jackson was spinning all over, uh, all over our defense. I mean, and the Ravens also just had J.K. Dobbins, who is another speedster out of uh, out of in Ohio State University. Um, and the Browns are, you know, with um, with OBJ and oh, shoot Jarvis Landry. Um, I'm. I'm getting my mind back to the NFL because we were in Bearcat <laughs> basketball for so long. We've been on a break. Yeah, but, I mean, the Browns' offense is dynamic. We know what the Steelers are. Uh, the Ravens are just quick. So we finally upgraded our linebacking core to where we can keep up with them. And I I think it solves all the holes on the defensive side without, with adding Kareem as well because, yes, you have Carlos Dunlap. Yes, you have Sam Hubbard behind him. You also have Carl Lawson, but... Kareem is going to be the fourth rotation guy uh, who's going to be able to come in uh, either on those long drives or uh, on that third down. But also with the addition of DJ Reader uh, and still having Geno Atkins, the freak. Also, keep in mind, we have Jermaine Pratt coming back. Uh, We have Sean Williams possibly becoming more of a linebacker. Uh, Jesse Bates, William Jackson, all the additions we made to cornerback. Like our defense has the potential to be pretty solid. We also re-signed Brandon Wilson, who's kick return specialist and also backup safety. Defense is fine. Adding T. Higgins was a phenomenal pick for the Bengals because that that just improves on a pretty good wide receiving core because Tyler Boyd is a solid number two guy. AJ Green is one of the top five receivers when he's healthy. John Ross is a speedster. Auden Tate continues to improve. So, I mean, it, it was best player available and going to be a great pick for us. It's just the offensive line. Uh, not addressing that until the sixth round probably isn't ideal, but at the same time, the coaching staff knows their guys. So you just kind of have to trust them. We are getting Jonah Williams back. We have Trey Hopkins still. Michael Jordan's returning, and he didn't put up the worst numbers last year. It's just that right side of the line. So we'll see what... Um, Adenji can can produce for the line, and I mean, who knows? Maybe we maybe we're totally fine. I saw a stat uh, at the end of the year that Andy Dalton was pressured on twenty nine percent of dropbacks, which was fourth, like fourth best uh, in the league. And 
guess what percentage Joe Burrow was pressured on dropbacks at LSU? 29%. The That's like pretty good. Joe, Joe Burrow is coming into the exact same situation he had at LSU, and he put up some pretty good numbers at LSU. So I guess that's just my recap of the draft. I know I went a little long, but I love every single pick. I'm right there with Josh. Like I think the Bengals absolutely nailed it. Yeah, uh, I I just have two quick points uh, to close my thoughts. Um, I I don't know if we necessarily have to worry about the line. Obviously, if we want to establish the running game, the line has to be a big point. But uh, for Zach Taylor's offense, the prototype game, I think, was that Seattle game at the start of the year when we were doing quick action passes, trying to get John Ross out in space like he did for that one kind of like reverse touchdown. Like uh, I forget what it technically was, but uh, I kind of take that game as the prototype. And as the Mm -hmm. as the season went on and more injuries happened and the defense kind of fell apart, too. Uh, when you had guys like B.W. Webb playing back there uh, in different minutes and uh, Hardy Nickerson. Uh, oh, man. Uh, but I, I like the idea of wanting to go faster on both sides of the ball. And uh, my hope is that we can revive some of the Rams offense that Zach Taylor had uh, in like the 2016, uh, 2015 Dolphins offense, which he coordinated. They still made it to the playoffs, I believe. Uh, maybe not, but uh, they were really good. They were pretty fast. So I enjoyed I enjoyed um, speed on both sides of the ball because the game is going more towards speed. Uh, and like, like you said, Joel, our division is really speedy. So uh, all of the draft picks and all of the free agency moves have made me actually excited to be a Bengals fan again. So Josh, you want to take us home? Yeah, so I, I just want to go back to, I mean, think about it. We drafted three linebackers. That's that's They completely rebuilt the room, and I'm glad that they went linebacker way over offensive line. Now, uh, we talked about this during the season last year, and um, uh, I, I noticed after they came back from London that the line really actually started to gel together, and they started to play better. We're also getting a first-round draft pick in Jonah Williams next year. Uh, now we got now we got Adenji, who can play some significant minutes. Uh, I think Bobby Hart's gonna take a step forward because he knows his ass is kind of on the line. I mean, he's got a, he's got two he's gonna have two more years left on his contract, but he's got to show. He can't that he's step far, uh, He can't step back any farther than he already has. So exactly. only positive momentum. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we can only go forward from here. But they started to gel together. Like I said, the stat of twenty nine percent. I mean, people will, will like to poop all over the line, but. I'm telling you, the linebacking position is exactly where we needed our uh, our renovation. Finally, the linebacking room is completely rebuilt. I'm excited. I think they want these guys to grow together, and these are the guys that are going to be the Bengals' next starting linebackers. I'm excited about it. Joel, what do you got? Yeah, I'm also guilty of probably saying the line will be worse than it most likely will be because, like I said, Jonah Williams, Trey Hopkins, um, like – Bobby Hart can't be any worse than he was. Uh, keep in mind, we also gained Xavier Suafilo over the yeah. over the off season, who um, is projected to start, but we'll see how he uh, how he actually holds up. Um, Michael Jordan as well, and we are forgetting about Billy Price, who was like sol- like very solid in college, but definitely took a step back last year. Couldn't really stay on the field. Uh, lost a lot of his minutes. Couldn't. Couldn't find a starting spot at guard or center, but maybe him taking that step back and being able to learn uh, the NFL game, um, it, maybe it'll be good for him, and maybe we do get a return uh, out of him, and he's the first-round talent that we thought he was. 
I would say too with Billy, um, I had actually had the chance to work with him personally. Um, not like, you know, in a super, not as a trainer, but um, as just as a photographer, I got to see the work that he was doing when he trains. The guy's got a lot of strength and a lot of talent. And honestly, like it would be, it would be surprising to me if he doesn't make a strong um, uptick between last year and this year. And, and somebody that they take in the first round, you know, every, every once in a while you're going to have a first round talent that might not work out at first. But think about like John Ross. You know, everybody just thought John Ross was a complete bust. You know, he didn't have the best year last year. But think about like that Seattle game. You have those games where you have those highs. John Ross put up what, like 100 yards, 100 plus yards in that game. He was phenomenal. He's our best wide receiver in that game. And I think Billy Price can kind of do the same thing. He just needs more time and more experience. And you put him with the, the right foundations, he'll be in a good situation. Yeah, and then I do want to mention John Ross again, uh, just because you brought him up in that Seattle game. Like, if John Ross is going to be the fourth option now behind T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, and AJ Gr- and a healthy AJ Green, he's going to be able to flourish uh, because he's going to get those third or fourth cornerbacks uh, on a team. <laughs> yep, he's he's going to burn right past people. So I'm very excited for for this team and uh, and. Kind of how, I mean, you look at the classic like Monday Night Football game between the Rams and the Chiefs last year where they were just, their offenses were outscoring each other. Like you can, you can win without a defense if your offense can just keep up with your opposing score 52. Oh, look at the Chiefs. They really did not have a great defense. They had a good defense at best. Yep. So, so yeah. Um, but, I do want to run through our undrafted free agents real quick. And then I want to talk more about Joe Burrow just because I felt like we kind of glossed over him and he's Cincinnati's savior. So uh, real quick, um, undrafted free agents so far, we got ECU uh, edge player, Kendall Fattrell, who is, who is actually ECU's best defensive player. Uh, he had 63 tackles last year, including 16 for losses and 11 sacks. He forced three fumbles and recovered one. Um, so he's like, he might be another player who could sneak up and as an often as an outside linebacker, it just helps the, um, the linebacking core as well. Iowa state offensive lineman, Josh Nipfel, Wake Forest wide receiver, Scotty Washington, Arkansas running back, Devois Whaley, Dartmouth cornerback, Isaiah Swan, Oregon state lineman, uh, Clay Cardasco and Iowa state linebacker, Marcel Spears Jr., um, once again, more linebackers, more skill pos- position players, and two other people who can compete for, uh, for starting spots on the line or depth spots. So I, I just really like all the additions that they've made, not just with the draft and undrafted free agents, but also just overall with the off season, they probably didn't completely solve the roster problems in one off season, but they got damn near close. And if there's like one thing that I want to add with that too, because the one thing that undrafted free agents bring is that you have very healthy competition because you have guys that are gunning for those spots. You have guys that think they deserved to be in the draft and that, you know, some of them, you know, far and away could have made the draft, but because of the way things worked out, they just didn't make it to a certain team. Mm-hmm. So those guys are going to put the heat on the other guys in practice and it's going to make both the guys that we drafted better, but it's also going to make those dra- undrafted free agents better. And, you know, they might not all make the squad, but for those who do, they're, you know, the cream of the crop. 
Yep. So what one of the uh, obviously one of the people that I thought we could have taken in the last round and or could have picked up in free agency was Thaddeus Moss. Would have been awesome to have Randy Moss in the in the jungle. That would be incredible. However, though, um, I just got uh, notification. So we picked up the tight end out of South Florida named Mitch Wilcox. Said this is the next day he, he, he's going to be our tight end. I'm going to be interested to see how he challenges Drew Sample. So far, Drew Sample's been nothing to the Bengals. So it was very, I'm very interested. I think they want to give Drew Sample another year to not give up on their second round just yet. But uh, let's take a look. I mean, I'm really curious to see what they plan to do with Drew Sample. Because honestly, yeah. he can't he didn't do jack shit last year and he is playing behind cj uzama as well uh so we'll see we'll see how tight ends fit into zach taylor's game plan but let's get back on burrow because the bayou bengal came to be a cincinnati bengal um after line what that was my line i've been saying it forever i wanted to hold on to it like oh sorry i just I don't know, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, Athens kid went to OSU, transferred to LSU and came back to Ohio, Cincinnati. Um, it's, it's just going to be absolutely awesome. The way the community has already, uh, bought into next season, bought into the borough hype. Um, also one thing I saw today is that Joe Burrow mentioned that the Bengals had him send his 10 favorite plays from LSU to make sure that they're put into Zach Taylor's offense. Hell yeah. Yep. So I am very, very excited. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Joe Burrow. You know who else is a huge fan of Joe Burrow is Chad Johnson. He's bought into the hype. Uh, He, (laughs) even on draft day, he tweeted at Joe Burrow and said, like, you don't have to... You don't have to respond to this, but just know that like we're really excited for you. Hope to share a celebratory cigar with you. And just today, he tweeted at Joe Burrow and all of our wide receivers, John Ross, Auden Tate, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, and uh, Tyler Boyd. He said, I think we should all meet up and run routes. Joe Burrow is the QB. I'll play defensive back and lock up everyone. They won't get open on me. <laughs> we can break down the film after over McDonald's. Thoughts? That's AJ Green awesome. responded, which is his first tweet since I think September, and he said, "I could use an off-season warm-up, my guy. Shake the rust off on you." Uh, and then <laughs> let me see what else, because uh, John Ross responded too. Um, oh, he just he just laughed. Love it. Uh, and then Chad also tweeted this. I'm showing it to you on the screen now. Uh, it's uh, just a picture of Joe Burrow in a uh, in a Bengals jersey, and he said, "Just throw it. I'm always open." Uh, Pepe, yep. just Chad Johnson's <laughs> name. So, uh, but like, I, I want to give one more point on Burrow real quick. Um, I think the problem that we've had with quarterbacks for the past 20 years probably is their lack of confidence, lack of swagger. Now, people might say that they don't know much about Cincinnati. But what they do know is that a lot of people think we don't really have take much pride in our state, in our city, because we see a lot of our people that go around the country trash Ohio as saying it's just cornfields, the chili sucks, and uh, stuff like that. Like They don't yeah. see us take pride in our teams, in our city. And 
we haven't really had a quarterback that's taken pride in our team, uh, in our city. Carson Palmer and Andy, as much as I love them for their efforts on the field, they didn't really bring that like swagger. They didn't bring that, you know, work ethic. They didn't really bring that like pride. And maybe it's different also just because Joe Burrow's from Ohio. He's from four hours away in Athens, Ohio. Uh, but he brings something different to the table, boys. He's got that like work attitude. He's got that uh uh, fu attitude uh, i don't want to say the bad word but uh, uh like i i love it i'm just so enthralled by it and uh the one thing that was funny though that like the beat writers said uh the beat writers counted how many times he said work in his post draft press conference and then <laughs> when the bengal's media rep told him that he was done for the night with media obligations he was like let's go and a, a bengal's beat reporter took that as like i can't wait to get started but the next morning, it came out that he had a, a once-in-a-lifetime night with his girlfriend. So I think that was what he was saying, let's go, to." <laughs> so uh, don't don't read into everything you hear, Bengals beat reporters. But, Josh, did you have another thing on Burrow? Yeah, I just want to say uh, one of this thing. I mean, we talk about, obviously, needs on offense, defense. But one of the, te- one of the needs of this team in terms of the franchise is a personality, a swagger, a face. We just didn't have that. We were boring. Uh, we were, I mean, the Browns really, I mean, the Browns are known as Ohio's team outside of here, but um, now, now they're going to be looking at Joe Burrow. They're going to be looking at T Higgins. There is a swagger that is coming to the Bengals with this draft class and it's only going to get better. And we're going to see more of it next year too. This is a long process. This is a lot to rebuild, but I'm telling you, we took a gigantic step forward with this draft and Joe Burrow is going to lead us there as uh, Pete uh, Florisco, is that his name? Pete, Pete Florisco said. Pete Frisco said, uh, I mixed him, him and Florio up. Uh, he said the Joe Burrow will win a Super Bowl with the Bengals within this decade. And I'll tell you what, I believe him. I think we can, I think we can do it. All right. We got somebody <laughs> believing in us. Woohoo. All right. My, my only last point to kind of end this, you know, round off Burrow is just that his quote that he said right after he got drafted was enough talk time to get to work and that's how he finished it off that's where he started and that's where he finished and i i i love that mentality because like you guys said you know there hasn't been enough there hasn't been enough people speaking up for cincinnati when it comes to athletes i feel like the most vocal athlete that i can think of in 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 recent history is joe mixon like on twitter he's very visible in chat you know i'll give you chad too but like to current active to active players Joe Mixon is the only one that I can think of. Like, you think of the Reds, I don't get that feeling from them. You think of, you know, any of our FC Cincinnati guys, I don't necessarily get that feeling from them. But when it comes to, like, a guy like Mixon, he's constantly tweeting, even in the offseason, he's like, I'm ready to go. This is Cincinnati. We want you here. We want you to, you know, we want you to work hard and play hard. And I, I love that mentality and finally getting that from somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my counterpoints to you with the uh, no real swagger or like voice of Cincinnati um, for the Reds, Amir Garrett would like a word. Okay, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you Amir. I'll give you Amir. And my then oh, also we play small ball, baby. A, a little, a little farther back, but Brandon Phillips, I felt like, was also very, uh, very charismatic and vocal. What I said, active. Yes, um, but. I don't think I don't think where he's active on social media because he's not on social media. But Joey Votto is kind of the same like fan favorite, like definitely has that swagger, 
um, that charisma that you want from from a leader in your clubhouse in in your locker room. Um, but yeah, Burrow has definitely just taken uh, the world uh, and I mean mainly the city by storm. Mm-hmm. Josh, hey. last point. Oh, uh, uh, I'll give a last point. I wasn't really playing, but oh, um, I, I just, thought you raised your hand. Sorry. No, just 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 the swagger's coming back, and and also not only that. We are getting the quarterback who just had single-handedly the best college football career as a quarterback. That's also something great too. So mm-hmm. excited, excited! Yeah. Talent, talent is not lost here. Let's yep. go. Uh, something else that's going to motivate him though is that his contract was announced. Uh, it'll be a four-year deal with a fifth-year option, uh, worth thirty-six million with a twenty-three million <sighs> signing bonus. Oh my! Yeah, bring in that money. Yes, sir. Um, So that is all the Bengals talk we had, but a lot of uh, Bearcats made the transition to the NFL as well. Josiah DeGuara was the only one drafted, which was a big surprise um, because he was the only one drafted from UC, but also because of where he was drafted. He was drafted in the third round by the Packers, which I recall saying he would be gone by the fourth round. Um, so the third round is very impressive. Uh, great, great, great for Josiah. Great for UC. Um, and he's going to, I mean, a third round pick, he's arguably going to be the starter for the Packers. Like he's, he's in that competition. He's going to be catching touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers to start off his rookie season, which is insane. And and according according to a lot of what I've read about Packers too, like they've just had such a lack of weapons, especially when it comes to offense, um, and they just don't have people that Rodgers can facilitate to. So they're looking for that guy that can be his man, like that can be the you know one person that you, you know you throw the ball down there, he's gonna go up and get it. And I, I think Josiah has that talent, and hopefully you know that will end up being him as we see the season start. But we still got some time to figure that out too. Yep. Yeah. Go for speaking it. Of which, how do you guys think of the Packers drafting Jordan Love in the first round? They're, I think they're sending a message to Aaron. And Aaron, I think Aaron Rodgers pulls grudges. So I, I think that this is gonna draw a huge divide between him and the top of the organization. Uh, so just to get back to Josiah real quick, uh, Mercedes Lewis, uh, who's been playing uh, football for at least uh, two centuries now, uh, he is uh, the current starting tight end for the Packers. But that's awesome for Josiah to like get to work with a guy that's been a legend for so many years in mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh and the, they're probably going to run a lot of double tight end stuff because the Packers are going to focus on the running game because they didn't get any wide receivers. So, um, but uh, hey, when Mercedes is covered, get it to eighty one, baby. Get it to Josiah. Yeah, uh, Josh. To go off your point, it it seems like the exact same uh, situation where they drafted uh, Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre still had a few good years yep. in him. And I don't want this to turn into a Packers podcast because it's not. We're all Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be very interesting, um, especially since they didn't get Rodgers any other weapons. So hopefully DeGuara is one of those main ones. Um, and because DeGore was drafted and is expected to be a big role player in the NFL, there's the real conversation that you see is now tight end you because these are all the players, mainly just in the last 15 years, 
to go to the NFL and have significant playing time. You had Brent Selleck, Connor Barwin, Adrian Robinson, Travis Kelsey, Blake Annan, and Josiah DeGora. All UC tight ends who had significant NFL minutes. Justin, go ahead. The only thing I want to mention, too, is obviously with Kelsey, you have a guy who's fresh off of a championship, who's one of the best, if not the best, tight end in the entire NFL. And then you have a guy like Brent Selleck, who had just as you know prolific of his career. He ended his his um, career with a championship in 2017 with Philly. And it's like you look at guys like that, and then you think about the numbers. Uh, Kelsey was drafted, I want to say, with like the 64th or like 63rd pick. He was a third-round pick right at the start. And then you look at a guy like Selleck, who had such a sex, uh, successful career. He was drafted in the fifth round. And it's like, and now that you look at Josiah and you think about who you're putting with him with, you know, when Selleck was drafted, I, I honestly can't even think of who the quarterback would have been in, what, 2007? That, Donovan McNabb. Yeah, I was going to say McNabb. That was my thought. McNabb then eventually ended up being Vic and probably a few other names within that, and then Foles and some other guys and Wentz and all that. But you think of a guy like Josiah going straight to Rodgers. That's a really, really good way to kick off his career, especially with the Packers having some upside. Um, and you know, they, they, what they played the, they lost to the saints last year in the championship. No, right? no, no. The, uh, or, the 49ers in the 40, NFC championship. Niners. Yeah. Niners. Thank you. Niners. So they made it really deep and that's without their supposed weapons. So now you throw a guy like Josiah into that. And I think that could be very, uh, very interesting for the start of his career. As for tight end you, that clip, uh, that we put out on Saturday on the main page, uh, it got me turned on. I just have to say, <laughs> just just those two guys talking about playing tight end and being from Cincinnati. Uh, Travis Kelsey seems to have all of the old retro gear, uh, Bearcats gear too. Like he somehow found all of it and has it. But uh, um, so somebody responded to our tweet from Friday night about Cincinnati is officially tight end you and responded with Notre Dame. And I just want to rebut to that point. Okay, yeah, Notre Dame, like they draft a, like a, a tight end every year, but how many Notre Dame tight ends have won championships in the past three seasons? I'll rest my case. So yeah, two of them are Bearcats. I can yeah. tell you that much. Yep, exactly. Um, and then, uh, so uh, do you guys have any other uh things? Because yeah. uh, I want to get to Michael Warren real quick. Yeah, uh, I just want to say one more thing about that video. And, and I started to think about this. And I wanted to bring it up on the pod. Do you guys ever think you see asked Travis Kelsey to speak to recruits about coming to UC? He, he did he on that, that one visit that he made uh, for the Tulsa game. Yeah, so. he so I was I was on the field for that and actually got to, you know, see him interact with um, some of the recruits. And I remember him like talking directly to Prater talking directly to he was uh, already committed at that time i'm talking like yeah, like yeah. people who have not committed yet like i don't still on the fence but travis kelly like, i mean it was a recruiting him? weekend so yeah. it probably yeah that's all, all that's true that's true and they he posts he does post a lot of video like he posted a couple video different videos for like the football recruiting account and like main football account and like talking about how much cincinnati means to him and to come to cincinnati so right. uh if as much as they can or as much as they can without bothering him too much. Uh, he has been helping a lot in recruiting. He's our Chad Johnson. Yeah, basically. I love him. All right. Um, so Jimmy, you wanted to move it on? Yeah. Back to uh, Mike. I was going to have our host, uh, take it. 
<laughs> that's, that's yeah that's totally fine um i mean let's keep the ball rolling uh going off of josiah DeGore. let's talk about some other bearcats who are gonna get the shot in the nfl uh michael warren surprisingly was not drafted but he did sign a contract to go to the eagles brian wright to the chiefs which is awesome um especially because he is gonna have an opportunity to compete for not just a depth spot, but arguably a starting spot because Brian Wright is a stud who definitely fell under a lot of people's radars. He easily could have been a late round pick. Um, and the Chiefs defense is not great. Um, Rashad Madaris went to the Cardinals. Um, so let's talk about those three real quick. Which deal uh, do you think is going to work out best for the respective team? I'm going to say Mike Warren and the Eagles just because they also drafted Jalen Hurts. And I can just, I'm just envisioning a backfield in which Jalen Hurts is uh, handing the ball off to Mike Warren. And Mike Warren, like, makes one linebacker miss in the secondary (laughs) and then just bolts it out for like 80 yards. I have to find the clip of where he scored a touchdown at Temple uh, and, like, be like, hey, Eagles fans, Mike Warren to already uh, love scoring um, at the link. Uh, yeah. so, uh, but uh, but I'm I'm actually really excited for that. Uh, like, I can see why he didn't get drafted, but it's a good sign that he got picked up almost immediately after the draft. And yeah. uh, no official sources or anything, but I'm sure a lot of teams were asking for his services because, yeah. like, he, he's a perfect back. He showed uh, his ability to catch some balls uh, out of the backfield in the flat the past couple of years too. So, uh, Joel, would you agree? It was a very deep year for skill positions, wide receivers and running backs. There were a ton of options. I, I get why Warren wasn't drafted, but my personal bias and also just unbiased watching his product on the field. Like he is a very talented running back. Um, and I am surprised that he wasn't drafted. Uh, I think Eagles are a great spot for him, especially because, uh, um, did Darren Sproles retire or is, does he just keep getting injured? Uh, I think he's just injured and also been in the league for a century as well. So, uh, exactly. I, I can and, tell you. and he's the Eagles go-to option. So, um, who knows how much longer he's going to be, um, in the Eagles plans moving forward. So Warren definitely has a, a opportunity to, uh, slot himself into that roster. I genuinely think Brian Wright has the best uh, opportunity to get the most playing time right away with the Chiefs, though, because I think he's one of those players who is just going to impress with his motor uh, and his actual physical abilities um, in in training camp. So, Justin, what you got? Um, I, I'd have to agree with you on uh, the Brian Wright point. Um, I, I think that he's kind of set up to be in the best position possible. Mike, on that hand, um, just understanding the way he plays and looking at his tape, I don't see how he doesn't, you know, make the squad. Like I, he he's too talented to not stay on that squad by the time the season starts. And if he were to not make that squad, another team would pick him up. He's just he's got way too much speed. He's got way too much power and strength. And I, I just think that he's kind of one of those electric players that you really need. And if he's not in your, if he's not your first choice, he has to be your second or third. And so I think I think Mike is in a good situation as well. Um, and with Medeiros, like there's, you know, it, it's he'll he'll be an interesting. We'll see we'll see how that plays out because you know that's that's a guy that you can kind of take that undrafted spot with, and you could 
end up seeing him become a prolific, you know, second or third round or second or third um, position kind of guy, or, you know, maybe he doesn't make the team. We don't, we'll have to see, but I do think I'm a little surprised too, that there aren't some other guys that weren't picked up, you know, with looking at some of our only guys like Ferguson, looking at um, a guy that like, I mean, looking at Perry young too, that, that one really surprised me. I don't know if that was just because of his, you know, prior knee injuries or what, but I just thought that one kind of caught me off guard. I thought he would have been picked up for sure. Yeah, before we touch on the guys that uh, didn't get contracts, I do want to let Josh touch on the guys that did. Okay, yeah, so um, I was – well, I kind of want to go back to what, what – uh, with Michael Warren. And, uh, I mean, obviously now looking at it uh, without him being under, you know, the Bearcats C Paul uh, anymore, you, I just got to think uh, – I start looking at him, you know, as a draft analysis. Michael Warren, he is going to find some trouble. He he is still a little undersized. He's still a little undersized compared to a lot of other – running backs he's still a little bit slower even though his speed really picked up at the end of his senior year which was great for him to see because that's part of his junior year which was great to see because that was one of his bigger weaknesses um the problem with his is his position he's a running back that's going to be kind of hard to find some playing time hopefully he can beef up a little bit more i want to see him um hopefully he'll be the backup maybe eventually he'll become the starter uh but i i'm with you guys with brian wright being in the best position possible uh, but it's just based, strictly based off of positioning. But hey, I mean, look at Philip Lindsay. He was he was a undrafted free agent, and he's now he's starting for the Broncos and poised as one of the best running backs in the league. So well, we'll see. I hope he does great. But I think Brian Wright has the best position possible. No disrespect to a former podcast guest, but Tion right. Green got a season in the league, boys. I mean, like, I think <laughs> yes. Michael Warren's better than Tion Green personally. So uh, I am looking forward to seeing uh, Michael Warren play. But I could see Brian Wright kind of be similar to a, uh, a Kyle Wilson role with the Vikings where he plays some special teams his first year and learns the system with the Chiefs. And then, uh, oh, sorry, Eric Wilson, not Kyle Wilson. I don't know what I was thinking of. Kyle Wilson just sounds like a creative player. Uh, <laughs> in Madden, uh, but but yeah, uh, like Joel was gonna say, our our guys, uh, Chris Ferguson, Perry Young, uh, Sam Crosa, uh, who else am I missing? Like notable seniors. Uh, it was really Perry Young, Chris Ferguson, and Sam Crosa. I think who yeah. had yeah. any type of draft stock. Um, Sam Crosa doesn't surprise me because kickers are so kind of rarely replaced um yeah uh chris ferguson i think also had an outside shot to get a uh an undrafted contract uh perry young did surprise me not getting a contract at all i think part of it is because of his size you know he's only 511 um but he is an athletic freak so i i hope that someone does pick him up and i think that he deserves that shot um and you know undrafted free agents like those signings continue even after the first day of the draft uh, or the first day after the draft. So uh, it is possible that as, as time goes on uh, either injuries happen or um, teams look to add more, um, more players to their roster where he does get that shot. Um, So, you know, obviously we wish the best to those three who didn't get contracts. um, Mm -hmm. And we wish the best also to, all the Bearcats who will get their shot in the NFL. Um, yeah. 
Let's talk about the weekend, though, with the home draft setup. How did you guys like it? Because it was very different this year. Um, I I loved Roger Goodell getting more relaxed as time went on. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> personally, I think I think it went a lot faster than usual. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. They made the best of their situation. I actually enjoyed looking at, you know, players' homes. I mean, Joe Burrow is just him, his mom, and his dad. He was in the, you know, in between them. And, I, I, I honestly, I actually really liked how they did it. I think they did it very well. There's very little, you know, interruptions. And when there was, it was minor. I, I, I think the NFL did a great job with this. The, the memes were great, yeah, uh, which is well, the first thing I look at at any new production is how, how are the memes <laughs> doing? How but, is it? Uh, just from a, like a personal standpoint, I think it was better, honestly, for those guys that like didn't get drafted first day and like mm-hmm. would, would have been sitting in the green room or something. And they always have that camera on them, like in the green yeah. room uh, as like other players get called and get their big moment up there. They didn't really show anybody uh, except for Jacob Eason. Jason, Jacob Eason was getting a lot of uh, uh, airtime and his girlfriend was just talking his ear off. Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think he and Jake Fromm were getting a lot of airtime on Friday night and they didn't get taken until Saturday. But other than that, really, like there wasn't kind of that awkward, those awkward shots of guys that are waiting because uh, like most teams won't let you see their war room. But we got to see everybody's war room this year, which was a new plus. Um, the, the Bengals the first night got some jokes because Zach Taylor's uh, war room. Uh, the, the, it was a bad camera angle. I'm gonna say it. He's as a, a family a, man. He's a family yeah. man. What no, do you no, no, no. That was this? night two. That was night two. Night one. It was just like like that that uh, roof shot of just the TV and like him just sitting at a desk in front of their exactly. But but that's what I'm saying is that like he's in a suburban home in the middle of Cincinnati. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a family and is living the bachelor life in Arizona. Of course, like <laughs> I, I just want to mention yeah. this too real quick while we're on the war rooms one. I think the best and most surprising of all was Bill Belichick's war room yes. because yes. his, I mean, his house, like from that angle looked like my house. And I, I just found that like kind of surprising. You would think that he'd have this like super lavish kind of thing. And it just, it's just a nice little, you know, family room table sitting there. And he's got his dog doing the drafting for him. Honestly, I think that dog has been the mastermind. It's not Kraft. It's not Brady. It's not Belichick. Over all these years, that dog has been running this franchise. And it's just, <laughs> give me Paul, yes or no. And that's how they decide the draft picks. And for some reason, it works out. That's, There's that's all those conspiracy for the day there's all those legends about ernie adams like some random personnel guy and it's the the ernie adams is actually the name of that dog like that that's the guy (laughs) who who somehow knows that it's gonna rain one day it's it's gonna snow one week like he's a dog he he, then he knows that stuff it makes all more sense right oh yeah he's just more sensitive uh one thing that we should mention is espn found something tragic in every single person's life Oh my god! Talk about and put yeah, in the how terrible is that? Like that's okay. Like I, I just I thought of that too when I was. It, it's one thing to do that, and it's like it's you have them in their homes again with their family, but then it's just like there's that tragedy, and people were saying it's like were they asking them these questions? Were these known things, or were they digging? Like who? How much say was given to the people? And then I think there was one post I can't or one guy I can't remember who he was, but like. He said, you know, his 
he was a guy from Liberty. I remember that much. Liberty University. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he was like, he's a graphics design major. Um, he likes, you know, some other things. And it was just like random stuff. And it was like a very normal kind of approach to it. But then there's some things where it's like, dude, dad tripped over some rocks and fell into the street and got hit by a bus. Like nobody, we don't need that much detail. Like just a car yeah. accident or something like that. But it's like, like everybody has a tragedy story. And it's like, like the, the entire first round, everyone was joking about it. And then the second day started and right off the bat, the first pick Bengals picking T Higgins. Yeah. It says mother was a drug addict for 16 years. And it's and his like, mom yeah. was sitting right there watching it. Dude, yeah. I'm right. sure he, what I'm sure she was hugging like, him and stuff, but still on, like, on the best night of these young adults lives, you highlight the most tragic part in front of their families. Like, right. Yeah. I just, I just don't under get it. I, I, I just, I just combined don't understand I don't, it. Don't I don't know it. who is asking for that either. Yeah, I, I will say I did see, um, I saw T Higgins replied to that yeah. um, kind of initial tweet that somebody had mentioned, like, why would you do this, this or what? And he said, you know, like, I'm not trying to hide this. Like, this is, this is something that my mom, you know, struggled with growing up, and she turned me into the man that I am. Essentially, is what he said. Um, so, you know, some guys, like I said, you know, they had a say in there, but I just think some of them just seem like how much are they really telling and how much are they just like, well, there was an article back then. Let's go throw that obituary in his, you know, draft night. The one that was funny though, was uh, Henry Ruggs or I I forget which one it was, but it was in the first round. And like the second bullet point was had a 4.0 GPA in high school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like whoever's agent that was uh, made sure to get that note in there. Oh yeah. yeah. This guy's smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, but that's pretty much it for the draft. Oh, the virtual booze. Oh yeah, the virtual. Yeah. I, oh, I, wait, said, wait. I, I said that right away. Like as soon as he turned around, as soon as the commissioner turned around and said, "Come on, Boomy," I was like, "He's gone meta. This is not yeah, good. This is not okay." Not helping the whole robot argument. Right. The only other thing that I had to criticize on the um, the at home draft thing was the at home fans. It is like there they were like there, but they weren't like overwhelming enough to make it worth having them there in my mind but i also found it really funny because somebody found or somebody screenshotted a picture of the chargers when their draft pick was up and there was like four spots just missing there's like 16 fans or 12 fans or whatever and four of them were missing and somebody said they successfully found the only 12 chargers fans that existed <laughs> i thought that was hilarious uh and then the jets uh, uh someone put up the picture of uh uh the the guy that's been going around the internet with the 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 big thing you know uh it was only from the uh the belly button up but if you see the guy you know what i'm talking about i don't was that real i thought that was photoshopped uh it probably was like i didn't think they they were actually imagine that it's real and enjoy i wish it was real (laughs) well justin you mentioned the chargers and i think part of the biggest Mm -hmm. nfl news aside from the draft has been new uniforms uh The Chargers, oh, yeah. easily the best ones, but I want to get your guys' rankings on the four uh, that have been released since our last episode. Um, at least I think since our last episode, but Falcons, Patriots, Browns, and Chargers all got u- new uniforms. Um, so I'll go, uh, I'll start real quick and I'll, uh, we can go quick. Uh, Chargers one, Browns two, uh, Patriots three, 
and Falcons four. Uh, Patriots were just like high school, like pick your jersey out of a catalog and add your yeah. team colors. Uh, very ask like I know what they're going for with the color rush look, but it didn't didn't really work out. Um, the uh, the Falcons are just horrible, uh, just horrible. Like, like there's, oh, it's just so bad. There is so many good looks that they could go back to. Uh, and like, as a UCU fan, I kind of model our, like match our looks based on what the old Atlanta Falcons used to do back in the day. And like the old Atlanta Falcons jerseys are so good with the red hat mm-hmm. and the black Jersey or the black hat and the black Jersey gray or white pants so good go back to the neon dion days um but yeah the chargers i agree uh best ones the light blue uh and then like um, no more piping on the side of the the pants yes. it's just the lightning bolt yes. now oh such a clean look yes. and the the numbers on the side of the helmets like they went retro without fully going retro mm-hmm. and i liked it a lot i yeah. don't i don't hate the falcons color schemes or like different jerseys what I mainly hate is just the ATL. Like, just say Atlanta or say Falcons. Um, well, yeah. I, I think if they added the full name of either the city or the team name, um, they wouldn't be as bad. I hate the Patriot stripes on the shoulders. Um, and Robert Kraft even said that, you know, they'll change their uniforms when Tom Brady leaves the Patriots, and that'll be like the Tom Brady uniform. Um, so it makes sense that they did change. And I think they were kind of caught off guard, so they didn't have time to plan new jerseys. Um, but I saw that Nike had a cutoff date for when you had to ask for new jerseys by. So I think they just kind of scrambled and had to give their color rush Jersey. Um, Browns went back to their older looks, which I do think is very, very clean. Um, and I like, I hated how their shoulder stripes went past the actual stitching. Um, and went like into more of the torso area, but well, yeah, let's not Char- forget the orange stitching either. Yeah, yeah the all brown uniform with orange uniform. stitching. Oof. Yeah. Um, but Chargers are so beautiful, and the all navy. Yeah, oh, the, the navy. The they LT have two jersey. color rush looks. Yeah, yep. yeah. Like, that's, that's the LT that's look. flex. They yeah. had they had six uniform combinations in there, and then, I mean, if you think about their like color rush stuff too, they could potentially make more combinations as well. Best uh, in the league so far. Oh, for me. sure. I just love I think, powder blues. I think if I were to rank them, I'd you know jump right off of you there, Jimbo. It'd be Chargers one, Browns two, Pats three, uh, ATL four. I think between Atlanta and and New England, I was they're kind of a tie for me because they're both yeah, just so. That's all I, was say. I here's here's my thing. Atlanta, I can give them like I hate the gradient. I can't stand gradients in anything. I just, it doesn't look clean to me. It's not a clean cut kind of thing. But Atlanta's black, white, and red. And I'm a hoe for white, black, and red because obviously you see like, so that one I think honestly kind of gives me the leg up over New England. But like New England stripes just dying on the shoulders, like not terminating anywhere. They don't do anything, just stopping straight across. The, The jersey would be perfect if they didn't have the stripes on there. Mm-hmm. Or if they just put the stripes on the edge of the sleeve, or if they put the stripe around the collar of the neck, or, or if they went back to the it, Patriot Pat snapping the football on the on the helmet yeah. with the white yeah, helmet cool. and the those white pants and the red. The pat- yeah. Oh my goodness, those were gorgeous. Those were a lot like our throwback uniforms from this year for UC. What you know, made the lean one color and it was nice. Yeah. But. What made the uh, uh, last thing, Joel? What made the Falcons the last one for me was the awful red to black gradient jersey. Yeah, like uh, just. 
terrible. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I also hate the Patriots away jersey. How it's like the white and the red is the primary stripe color. I hate mm-hmm. that. Yep. Yep. Josh, what you got? Uh, definitely. Okay. Well, it's Chargers far and away. I mean, the Browns is just a return to what they were, which was better, but you know, it's just a return. It's not exactly something new. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, uh, I'm going with Atlanta and New England tied, and I think not only are they tied, they're they're terrible. Like I did, I think that with the Patriots, you expect a perfection, and they look like they rushed through everything, and they didn't even try to like yeah. make it look new edge cool. It looks like a high school uniform, so I don't know. That that's yeah. I, I would say they're definitely tied for worse. And the ATL is. is I understand what they're trying to do, but it look, does not look good on a football uniform. I'm gonna I'm gonna re-rank here real quick, only because I forgot. Okay. Uh, there was one other one that dropped that you guys are all forgetting about. So first, we're going Chargers. Second, we're going. Second, we're going Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay dropped. Oh, yeah. yep. Oh, I just, sorry. You uh, dropped I, it. I, I it. Uh, Tampa Bay dropped their new units too, and they got rid of the alarm clock style numbers. And I think they're really clean. And that's what Atlanta should have done for their uniform. So I'll give them, I'll give them the second spot. The Browns third, only because I hate the combination of orange and brown. That's a me thing. They're not that bad though as a uniform altogether. And then uh, Patriots and Yep, I agree. Bucks, uh, Bucks two there. They just went back to their Super Bowl uniforms with the new logos, and I like the new logos, and I also like the old uniforms. So, mm-hmm. good, go- good job, Bucks. Yeah, I don't like the all pewter though. It's just a weird color. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. I, also- I've never liked that color, so they're third for me behind the Browns and the Chargers at one. Um, Should have but- just brought back, back the creamsicle. Sorry, go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> Josh. Last thought. Yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna slot Tampa too. They, um, I like those uniforms. Honestly, I honestly was a fan of like the jewel when it like looked like a red ruby uh, number. But I mean, they're returning to what they originally looked like, which was fire. So yeah. I like it. I'm good. So I'm gonna go one Chargers, two Tampa, three and four Patriots. Uh, Patriots. Oh wait, no, I forgot about the Browns. Browns are Browns are behind the Tampa, behind the Buccaneers. So. You guys already know my list. Let's keep it moving. I'm done. <laughs> yep. We are keeping this train moving um, as long as Justin doesn't slow us down, dropping his headphones. <laughs> they won't stay. <laughs> they um, but Justin, uh-huh. it's your time to shine because we're moving off of football for a sec to talk Bearcat basketball because yes. since our last episode, we've had two major transfers commit to the Bearcats in the form of David DeJulius, the former four-star recruit to Michigan. He chose UC over Iowa State, Marquette, and Missouri, and has two full years of eligibility. And uh, Um, I should say this right. uh, (laughs) Stop dropping your mic, Justin. I got it. It's it's Rapolis Ivanowskis. Yep, I was going to say that. Cool. The 6'10 forward grad transfer from Colgate. Um, who did score 21 points, nine rebounds, and a block on 10 of 17 shooting against UC back in, what was that, December? Uh, so at least we won something from that game. But Justin, uh, go ahead and start us off with talk about DeJulius. Yeah, so for him, um, I'm, I'm excited because you've got a guy who was a borderline five-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, that talent doesn't just drop off a map. You know, he may not have got a lot of minutes at Michigan, but 
um, he he had a sig- he had a significant amount of time under their their two transitions of coaching schemes, especially when um, Juwan Howard came in. So I think just that extra bit of time that he had there, and we have to keep in mind too, DeJulius, he was next in line to be the starting point guard because their I'm trying to remember their rec- their recruit that was going to take that that could give him competition that spot transferred or went straight for G league or pro or whatever. And then their starting point guard was a senior. So he just graduated. So he was the next in line and he transferred to UC, which I think is huge to say, like to go from somebody who could be a starter in a big 10 school at Michigan under a guy like Juwan Howard and he moved to a different school and that being Cincinnati, I think that says a lot either about Brandon says a lot about Cincinnati says a lot about our team one of and any of those kind of you know situations there um and i i think that i think that he has enough experience too that he can kind of help out uh micah and they might be splitting minutes he might be starting i don't know we're, we're, we'll have to see his role but i would assume that he would be starting coming in um because he he's got a lot of talent to not be starting you had a point there yeah. too, Oh, uh, I just wanted to make the point that uh, Michigan sucks, uh, but also uh, <laughs> they uh, like <laughs> no, not the not the state, Joel, just the school. Uh, no, the state sucks too. No, the state uh, sucks too. They have another, uh, they have easy, another easy. school in there that sucks just as bad, and they're stupid easy. because they thought they from could from easy. no 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 from the months from the months of November through like late April, that state sucks. That's the best. <laughs> That's the Whatever. worst. Whatever. Anyways, the okay. Red Wings suck. I hate them. <laughs> All right. Straight well, shot at the Red Wings. Um, <laughs> Josh, no, you I, can talk when you have a Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I know. I know. I know. Can I say my point here? Yeah, yeah please, please speak. Please speak. It's real quick. UC used <laughs> analytics to. Uh, rank all of the the recruits in the transfer portal this year and they rated uh Dehulius the highest of all the recruits that were in the transfer portal uh i don't know if that's the highest in possibility of getting him or the highest in like the best overall player but uh that was what brandon said yes joel is it DeJulius or DeJulius? i'm gonna say DeJulius. We'll, David we'll find out. Okay. He'll, All right. Yeah. I guess we'll we're find out. David yeah. Julius, and that's what we're going to say from now on. I mean, remember when we first got Micah, we were calling him Mika. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we were all calling him Mika, and I'm once pretty the sure great Dan Horde tells us, then we will. Yes, exactly. Um, but again, on uh, the Julius, six foot point guard, uh, he was ranked, uh, want to say, 107th in his class. Which you know, having a guy who's borderline top 100 pick or pick, sorry, recruit. Um, we haven't had that, you know, necessarily in a while, um, other than I think the last one I can clearly think of was Yancey. Um, you know, we might've had one or two in there, but we've had a lot of borderline guys, you know, one twenties, one thirties, one forties, but, um, he, he's one of our best recruits as those numbers go bringing him in. Granted, we didn't bring him straight out of school, so that doesn't necessarily count. But anyways, 2019, 2020 season this past year, he averaged seven points, uh, 2.4 rebounds, one and a half assists. Uh, I'd have to look at his turnover ratio, but I would assume that he would be able to start lighting up some scoring. Um, he's going to fill a void uh, that we're leaving with Jaron and Javen, and I think that he could be a prolific shooter. Um, especially, again, remember, we have a lot of our younger guys coming in, so it, it'll be interesting to see how some of these new recruits will end up panning out, especially uh, when you look at um, the Madsen twins, too. Uh, what were you going to say, Joel? 
Sorry, yep. I muted myself because I was doing research. Dude, Jaron Cumberland was a top 100 prospect. He was 56. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. You suck, Justin. Thank you. Sorry. It's totally right. forgot about that. It's all right. Either way, he's he's up there. But again, it's what I'm also what I'm, Zach Harvey was 49. So Zach Harvey was a better prospect okay. than Jaron Cumberland. I'm, <laughs> I'm double suck. Okay. But besides the point, if you, if you, you know, you look at those two, but think of us, think of UC over the past 15 seasons. Okay, you have a guy like Harvey, you have a guy like Jaron. Other than that, who can you really name off that's a clear, like, we, we just haven't had those guys that are like, we, we're not a school that's known for taking those top 10 guys, taking those top 20, 30, 40, 50 guys. Like, we're not known for that. When we do, it's a steal, or it's because... They have some sort of relation to the school. I mean, Jaron grew up in Wilmington. The odds of getting him to go here versus anywhere else were probably a lot higher only because he could play in front of his family, his friends, things like that. Like, it's it's not easy for us to get there. And I think we will eventually. But, again, top-rated prospect. That was a huge grab. Ivanowskis. This is another one that got me really excited because I had mentioned earlier in the season when we had played Colgate, I liked him a lot. His, I'm, I'm a sucker for post moves, and I'm a sucker for a guy who's anything like Porzingis. Porzingis isn't necessarily my favorite NBA player, but he's a big guy who can do anything down in the post, absolutely bully you, and because of his height, he can shoot over you anywhere, and this guy can shoot threes too, and I like that a lot. What were you going to say, Joel? Hey, real quick, while we're talking power forwards, Gary Clark was the 90th best prospect in his draft class and okay, the second thank you, in North Carolina. you, Joel. You proved your point. You proved your point. I messed Back up. Back to the rep god. Gary Clark was the second best player in North Carolina, and he didn't go to UNC. He went back to Cincinnati. to the yeah. rap god. Anyways, back to the rap god. Uh, last year, he averaged 13 points, uh, 7.6 rebounds, and 2.1 assists. So we've got a guy, you know, who, uh, because of his size and because of the way he plays, and, you know, granted, he was one of their top scoring options. I want to say he was third on their list when it came to scoring options, which is Kind of interesting too. When you look at a team like that, like Colgate, you would think a, a guy with this much experience would be their, you know, go-to scorer. And then you think of the game that we had against Colgate, you would think, well, you know, that's going to be their guy. And he was—he still wasn't necessarily their one and only go-to guy. So um, to think of the way he plays, I mirror it pretty closely to Trey, but I think he has a little bit more offensive skill, even than Trey did. Um, and I think that that could be a big help. You know, Trey, you could get him out onto the three, but he's still probably going to drive it into the paint anyways. Uh, with a guy like this, I think he's a little bit more confident to take that shot or maybe to take some of those, um, you know, open shots rather than just try to bully you in the paint. And um, at a power forward, I think that's exciting, especially with a guy like Vogt, who's just going to go up and get your rebounds for you next year. Um, so our starting lineup, if Keith returns, could be very, very, very interesting. Between DeJulius, Ivanowskis, you have Keith starting at the two, DeJulius at the one, Ivanowskis at the four. The three and the five, we'll still find out. I would assume Mamadou would start at the five. Um, and I think Vogt's coming with, back. With, well, yeah, and, and with, with Chris, too. I would assume that Chris comes back. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm curious to see if Vogt or Mamadou wins that starting spot. Because I think Alvin, Ivanowskis has it, you know, sealed. But I think Mamadou could have a shot at it, at least in, um, you know, the practice season leading up to the real season. 
because you know we see we see starting lineup changes all the time, you know, and it, it but from year to year, guys that you don't expect to start start. I mean, Keith started what his sophomore year, and nobody was really expecting him to do that, and that kind of ended up being a thing that lasted for the rest of the season. So maybe that happened. I'm gonna do, Joel. Um. Yeah. Something else that we didn't that we totally forgot to mention and put in the rundown. Chris Vote declared for the NBA draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, Sorry. as we know, is not a definitive declaration. You do have the opportunity to talk with NBA scouts, uh, figure out what you need to do to improve your game, which we think is what Keith is doing as well, because um, it's what Jaron did. Um, you know, whereas Jaron did have some type of draft stock as well, but but with Chris also declaring, my theory is that Keith told Chris, like, hey, I declared I'm talking to NBA scouts. I'm knowing what I need to do to improve my game in order to become an NBA uh, player one day. You should do this, too, because there's no drawback. You can still go to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that it is a very smart move for both of them to figure out what they need. To <laughs> I just had a stroke what they need to do to improve. Um, but yeah, you see basketball future is bright. Yeah. And, and Josh, you had a point there too. No, I mean, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, it was like, why would, why would they not take this chance? Why wouldn't they do this? Because I mean, right. there, there really is no repercussions. You get to find out exactly what you're worth. And I mean, um, it, it, I'm, I'm so happy that like they have this rule in place. Like if you're just not feeling it, like you're just not going to get taken, you can come back. And I think that should be, you know, for all sports. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I really, I don't think either of them are going to go to the NBA this year. You know, more if they do, more power to them, and we'll always love them. But uh, I think they're going to both be coming back and both be in a starting lineup. So when we make our start mock starting lineups, I mean, I'll probably include them usually, like when thinking about this, unless they put out something definitive. Yeah, and so my only other thought then too is if you return those two. You look at DeJulius at the one, Keith at the two, and then you look at Ivanowskis at the four, vote at, or Mamadou, most likely though, vote uh, at the five. Who would be your three, do you think, at this point? Harvey? Do you think it would be Harvey? Do you think it would be Davenport? Who do, I mean, because Mike. I think either one of them at this point could get it. I, I, I think up in the air. Yeah, very true. It might vary game to game depending on oh, what are, are they that much different in height? I, I don't believe so. They're both pretty big guys i want to say harvey's probably six six and i want to say i thought harvey was six nine i'd have to look again yeah it's been a while since i looked Um, there just just my one thought before uh we get back to justin here but uh i think uh we can maybe uh up our expectations from what we previously had them because we had previously said that this might not be the greatest year that we've ever had uh in Bearcat basketball history, but with uh, these two additions and uh, the possible re-additions of Keith and Chris and all of these guys, uh, I am looking forward more again to this year of basketball, if it happens. If it happens, I'm whispering that because I want it to happen. Justin, uh, did you find that yeah, stat? Yeah, so I found I found the height. Davenport is 6'7", and Harvey is 6'5". I was gonna say because I've stood, I've I've stood like pretty close to Harvey, and I don't remember him being like Trey's height. <laughs> gotcha. But, um, but yeah, Joel, so that'll be interesting some... too. If you want that, if you want to go a taller lineup, you can start you can start Davenport. If you want to go a faster, quicker lineup, you start Harvey. They're pretty yeah. similar. 
Um, any final thoughts on basketball recruiting before we move into football recruiting? You with Brandon Ball's about to put get put into full effect. Oh, my only last thing, I think, uh, I think, I believe we still have one scholarship open. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to look into that again. But I think if we still have one open, we could probably expect sometime between now and the start of summer to maybe secure another guy. But we might just leave that open too. I think we might um, just leave possible. that open. I'm not sure because I think we, we have four recruits and we're bringing in two guys and we lost five guys this year right? in senior class. So, And I think we had one open last year anyway. So We also don't know yeah. what's going to happen with Prince. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I don't think Prince is going to play basketball again. That's just I me. Don't think, I don't think so either. Yeah. We certainly hope that he could, but whatever whatever's best for prince i mean that's his situation is very uh dire to make the right decision so but anyway Um, back to joel so real quick final thought on basketball john brandon tweeted yesterday he had a crazy dream uh he he was down 15 at half starting lineup in the second half included Corey blunt nick van exel and lenny stokes we went on a run (laughs) Corey Blunt responded, well, I don't know how the dream ended, but I can tell you that once this pandemic is over, you got all of our support to help win in the future. Hell yeah. That's so, that's uh, Van Axel quote tweeted it too. Did he? I'm going to find it real quick. But what were you saying, Justin? That's, that's something that uh, from last year till now seemed very missing from that era because obviously all of those guys wanted Van Axel to get that position um, but I think that was obviously one, a money move to a question mark because of experience. You look at a guy like Brandon, his track record was just proven to be better, um, especially at the college level. Um, and I think, I think that's really nice to hear from those guys because you want your alum to show up at games, especially those older guys who were there for the championships, who were there for the final fours, who were there for the, you know, elite eight runs, who were there for the things that we don't currently have and haven't had in such a long time. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, sorry, so sorry. He cut out there. But um, but but again, like I said, it's it's nice to just have those guys with that experience and uh, with that love for the school to really show up. And you know, they were very critical of Brandon at first, but I think that this is a hopefully changing of the tides, and maybe they're we'll see them at more games. That's just it's always so fun to go into a game and then have them announce like in the middle of a quarter, or sorry, in the middle of a half or at halftime, just bring out those old players and show them off because we have really impressive product from the past. Absolutely, um, and like you said that. That in-house atmosphere when you introduce special guests, whether they're former players, uh, which is awesome, um, or whether they're football coaches uh, and <laughs> Coach Channing, Big Dick Fick, um, yeah. that's just an insane amount of energy. Uh, so let's talk about Fick and the recruiting trail because football has been hot in quarantine. Um, we have a lot of recent commits. Jimmy, do you want to run through them? Uh, yes, let me get them up real quick. Okay, uh, the first one, uh, they are not in chronological order, uh, but Mayo Glenn, three-star O-lineman from Walnut Hills, staying close to home. He is going to join us here at UC for the 2021 class. We also have Armorian Smith, a three-star wide receiver from Joel's home state of Michigan. Uh, Jack Dingle, three-star linebacker of from Louisville Trinity, brother of current Bearcat Jacob Dingle. Uh, Landon Ficken, 
a fickle, uh, a thicken. three star thicken. Uh, Are you thicken kidding me? The three star O lineman from Moeller. Uh, I, I think I've heard of that last name before. Uh, by the way, getting your teenage kid to uh, commit to staying another four years at home with you is a uh, uh, pretty good. He won't be staying at home; he'll be st- staying in the football dorms. But uh, uh, Fickle's kid is actually a, a three star rated recruit, so I love that uh, signing. Uh, Will Poling, three star wide receiver from Chicago. Uh, and we had another commit yesterday, but uh, we he is not uh, officially committed yet. So uh, I'm looking to see if he officially committed. But uh, he there was it was announced yesterday with all the you seeing red tweets, mm-hmm. but uh, he is not officially committed. And, and my only other point that I wanted to mention before when we might you know dive into those guys um, is that. These are all the ones, if you guys, if any of the listeners didn't catch our last episode, these are the ones that have happened since that last episode. And that was what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. So it's like we've two weeks ago. So we've, we've picked up that, that much more recruit, more recruit. I'm saying that like it's plural. (laughs) We've picked up that many more recruits in that time period since then till now. And it's, that's crazy. Just how many guys we've snagged in the that time period and um you know i don't want to jump on the next point necessarily but i think this is a good time to mention it is that our football class currently ranks what what do you want joel i uh, real no real quick uh oh, all right, all right. Uh, hey guys i have to uh take off work is kind of co- coming uh, in the door right now uh, i'm a care provider and uh gotta do some help Love all you guys. Uh, I will come back and we wish I could talk recruiting with you. I'll talk to you guys about it later. Um, yeah. Uh, just one thought. Luke Fickleson is coming. I wonder what this is about the future. All right, guys. I'll see you later. See ya. See ya. Left us off with a question mark. Um, but yeah, so that that currently ranks our 2021 class at 18th overall. So... That's I think that's a big deal because you look at our past recruiting classes since Fickle's been here and they've jumped what 20 spots every time. He was what probably 60, 60 was he 60 something if not higher or sorry lower in that range. I think it was like 75, but yeah. but yeah. Yep, you're right. And, and it's it's jumped every year. Last year we were around 40, 40 something and this year we're cracking the top 20 and we still have time to go. And you know obviously there's some people that'll say too is like well, maybe your recruiting class, you know, isn't finished yet. You still have to wait to see who else, you know, comes through. But I mean, it's not going to change that much. These guys are ranked where they're at. We're we're looking at a 2021 by recruit top 25 squad. That's just you know parallels how that kind of works. If you look at rankings, that's that's not an assurance, but that's a it's a much higher guarantee that we're going to be that much better in the future. Um. <laughs> Goodness. So, uh, yeah, now it, the only reason that we're up this high is that we just it's just a numbers game right now in the ranking system. Right. And we have more recruits than other universities. So we will probably not uh, finish this class in the top 25, although that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Probably have to get some four stars, maybe in a five star. I don't know how we would get that for uh, for UC, but like to. It's just a numbers game right now, but it's still something to be excited about that kids right. are committing early. And now if, uh, my stance on recruiting is until they are here 
they show up and they play a game in your jersey, it does not mean anything. That's but it's true. nice to see them. Uh, so don't tweet a recruit, by the way. Uh, we yeah. remind, don't We've mentioned recruits. that, but nope. yeah. um, Did we talk about James Hudson? Uh, no, you can mention that real quick. Sorry, I zoned out real quick. Um, so James Hudson's mom, a couple weeks back, was diagnosed with COVID-19. He asked for uh, thoughts and prayers on Twitter. And uh, happy to report that his mom has fully recovered, which is wonderful news yep. to hear. Great to hear. Yep. Um, so, I mean, speaking of COVID-19, the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about yet, and has happened since our last episode, is that UC did... Uh, discontinue its soccer program, men's soccer. soccer. Yes. Um, and a lot of reports say that this was kind of a long time coming, um, with never being able to have a solid coach, um, never being able to have great success in the conference. Um, and uh, obviously revenue in college sports is iffy because football and uh, basketball bring in a lot of the income, um, but John Cunningham just seems to, uh, kind of be enacting a much different approach to the athletic department than, um, old yeah. bone zone did because, yeah. uh, Mike bone was very much so a yes man. Um, he always tried to kind of avoid problems, I guess you could say. And it seems like John Cunningham is just facing them head on and, uh, doing what needs to be done and making those really tough decisions, which you do hate to see. It's awful that we had to cut men's soccer, especially when Cincinnati is such an up and coming soccer city, you know, with FCC making it to uh, major league soccer with uh, NKU Xavier also having big soccer programs. So uh, it does really, really suck. Justin, what you got? Um, My point with that too, is as much as you do hate to see, having any program, especially any D1 program at your school get cut because we're looking at the news across all of college sports and we were a very big outlier the day that that was announced. That was top of a lot of people's boards when they were talking about new topics. And, you know, I as much as you hate to see that happen, I really do like to see the assertiveness from Cunningham at least to show that he's, you know, willing to make moves he's willing to take risks he's willing to make sacrifices for teams like because ultimately what this does as much as it hurts the it might it might hurt the university image or people say you know we're down on money whatever he's making sure that he's cutting loose ends that aren't keeping the athletic department as healthy as possible you know it's and as much as like we said that'll hurt and you don't want that to happen if if something isn't either producing or it's not keeping your your um, your department in the healthiest form possible, it's only going to keep dragging you down. And, and the longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. It's like an infection. You know, the the worse that it is at the start, the worse it's going to be down the road. You might get lucky and maybe they turn around, maybe something else happens. But the foreseeable future, especially in this circumstance, you know, there might be other schools that have to cut programs too. We're we're just we're just looking at this right now, and hopefully, soccer, men's soccer is all that ends up being cut out of this. And from what we've heard, it seems like that will be the only one that's cut. But it is also important to note that with that cut did come the guarantee of all scholarships to be honored through their senior year for all of the soccer players on that team, which I think is great. And, you know, that's still caught, that's still going to cost the university money. It's not like they're just cutting it cold turkey that, I mean, that 
it's just great to see that they've did that at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's wonderful that all the scholarships will be honored and the players or I guess former players um, won't be kind of left out in the wilderness. Um, mm-hmm. They can either transfer and continue their playing career or they can stay and continue their academic career here at UC, um, maybe pursue another sport, dominate mm-hmm. intramurals, who knows. Yeah. Um, but one thing to note as well is that I, I think think I wasn't able to find the stat, but when all this was happening, it popped up on my timeline where um, a lot of other schools, like I think at least 50 uh, in the last couple of years have also cut men's soccer just because of uh, lack of revenue, um, lack of interest, lack of success. Um, so it seems like one of those main sports that's kind of on the cutting board when it comes to, you know, return on investment, um, because you are traveling a lot. Um, but so I don't think it's that out of like out of the blue, but I will say that just because it happened during this COVID-19 thing, that's why it got highlighted so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just one last point. I think, uh, it's, this is the only the start. This is unfortunately not the end. Maybe not. Maybe the end for us. But uh, like the SEC and Big Twelve don't sponsor men's soccer. Exactly. That's just that's just one. It's just one sport that they don't sponsor. But uh, I think a lot of programs on our level and below are not going to be able to support these smaller programs that unfortunately just don't bring as much revenue. And now, if this was just a normal year and UC brought in a million dollars from playing in the NCAA tournament, then we probably wouldn't be talking about this. So it probably would have been able to be like kept afloat for another year. But uh, I imagine, uh, imagine we won't be seeing our hockey team come anytime soon. Yeah, I know that was. Yeah, when that happened, that was unfortunately the first thing that I thought of was I was <laughs> like, the odds of that happening just plummeted by two hundred percent, like. Yep. And, and we're we're in a we're in a lucky position to to be able to say that we have a football team and a basketball team and a women's basketball team and a, you know sw- what is it, swimming diet like all these other programs have been performing at such a high level recently that like we're we're lucky to be able to say that because there's a lot of schools that don't get that revenue towards their athletic department from their other sports as it is so we're overall being able to keep our main sport I think it's a great thing. Yeah, um, and it's also nice that Cunningham did guarantee that no other sports will be cut. Um, So that was very nice that he added that. Um, But, you know, COVID-19 has had a larger impact on a lot of other schools as well. Um, But with a lot of schools going online for all of spring and all of summer, who knows about the fall right now? I know a lot of schools are preparing, like, full steam ahead Fall will be normal, but who knows what normal will be. Um, A lot of players won't be allowed on campus. You know, there's no housing. um, There's no, like, training facilities certainly aren't open. Who knows if Camp Higher Ground will be a thing this year. So what is going to happen getting all these athletes prepared for fall seasons? If fall seasons are going to happen, I know it's also rumored that everything could be pushed to next spring. Yeah, uh, I just, I, like I said, I just think this is only the beginning. I don't think this is the end for yeah. sports being cut because I just don't see a way how you get unpaid kids that obviously love their school, but 
if there's no students on campus, you obviously can't have their, their students first, obviously. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. if there's no students allowed on campus, then obviously the teams aren't going to be allowed on campus. And like, like, I mean, like soccer, it takes like a lot of time for them to like get their breath and get their, uh, full training in for an entire season. And that's just one sport, like all the other fall sports, like, I mean, you know, golfers are probably golfing all summer, but you know, like you still need time to get back into it. Football, obviously the biggest one. And then without spring, uh, spring practice and summer OTAs, they have not, they're not going to be ready to play at all in August. So either they figure out a way to go on, uh, on campus and then just play like conference schedule or something like that. No fans or like socially distancing fans and like in groups, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas that they can do to try mm-hmm. and recoup as much of the revenue as they could have had. I just don't see how uh, football is going to be able to stretch into May just because like of the draft. Uh, draft ends in April. So I think if anything, they're just going to cut the season down to eight games and try and play the, as much as they can uh, when students are allowed back on campus. Also, can you imagine playing – playing college football in like in the big house in the middle of January or February. Oh God. In front of probably little to no fans. Not even the big house. Imagine playing at Northwestern. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, so my thing with this too, is I think that we could realistically see the season start. Um, at some point, I don't think that they're just going to straight up just, you know, one off the season. I don't I don't see that happening. We still have so much left to see. I mean, even today, they just Ohio put in a mandatory before it was just like masks were we highly encourage you to do that, whatever. Now masks are mandatory. If you want to get service anywhere, if you go to a restaurant to pick up anything whatever it might be, you have to wear a mask. If you are mm-hmm. giving service, you have to wear a mask. So that's a new requirement. Um, granted, that might be able to let us get to a more social state sooner than later. Um, and again, all of the love in the world to DeWine for the way he's handled this. I mean, he's handled this better than probably any other state in the U.S. And that's that's just the way it is. But looking at the way like college sports is going to be implicated, I, I I think that football will probably see a heavy delay, if not just a slice in the season. They might. I think. I think conference uh, conference schedule only is very reasonable. Um, it would suck to not play. Who do we have this year? Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, yeah that would that would suck to miss out on that one. And but, not to beat up on Miami again. Yeah. I mean, I want the. I want to hear the bell again. Yeah, and, and I mean, technically, reigning reigning champions hold the championship if things are canceled. So uh, Miami will just lose for what the fifteenth, sixteenth year in a row. What are we yeah. at now? I lost count. Uh, fifteen. Fifteen. Um, fifteen. I catch that Miami fans, but yeah, I just. <laughs> uh, I am just having finding a hard time seeing college sports return without students on campus. Uh, and I just don't see the possibility of playing 24 games in the calendar year. Like some conferences have suggested playing the whole entire football season in spring. Like these guys are going to leave halfway through the season then just to get ready for the draft because they don't want to get hurt right before the draft because the draft is their big thing. And if the draft is in April, but football wants to end in May, like I just don't see like any of the star players staying to play in the playoff because they're, they're going to get paid. 
Like, yeah. the, that's just what they're yeah. going to do. A lot of uh, it's weird with college because, uh, like you said, they're uh, they're students first, so they have to be on campus. When it comes to talking about the NFL, like the NFL generates most of their money from TV revenue and sponsorships, Mm -hmm. not from uh, whereas with college, like it's mainly attendance concessions and everything like that. Um, So, yeah, college sports returning is a big old question mark, uh, and we just have to wait and hope you know that uh it's best case scenario and this continues to die down um but for right now we don't have any answers which sucks but that's just what we have to deal with right now um james did you want to mention this note about urbana uh yeah uh just real quick though like kind of like i said it's not the start uh urbana uh they uh, have officially stopped accepting admissions and they will close after the spring semester of 2020. Uh, I think we're going to see this a lot with some small colleges around. Uh, apparently Urbana was just like bought, like straight up bought by another university. So I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know you could just buy a university, but mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> they are uh, not accepting any more uh uh admissions and they're going to close after this thing i think i don't think it was anything to do with like uh kind of like where ccu put all their money in football and that program failed miserably i think urbana just didn't have enough overhead to just keep running uh right. after this because i i bet you a lot of their revenue just comes from like campus resources and i you know other than tuition obviously but uh but yeah, it, it, it just stinks for them. They'll figure out a way. But I don't, again, keep saying it, but I don't think this is the end. I think this is only the beginning. And I, yeah. I want to add a note on that, too, is that with smaller schools like that, people tend to forget that as much as a school is a school and, you know, people are there for education, a school is just as much a business and it's run like a business, too. So all of the employees that they have, not just the teachers, the janitors, the staff that runs you know, marketing, it's endless. The amount of people that they have to pay in order to keep a, a school running during the summer, even when they're not doing all that people to manage admissions, it's, it goes really deep. So seeing this kind of thing happen is not surprising to me in the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jimbo, do you want to get us on a lighter note and talk about the potential return of a fan favorite? Yes, the potential return of... <laughs> Of boys and girls listening, EA Sports. It's in the game. It's in the game. NCAA football <laughs> 14. Bum, 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 bum. I know all Except the words. It'll be like 2021. 20, yeah. <laughs> or like two. Or three. 2K. Uh, it would probably be EA College, EA, uh, college Basketball li- or NCAA Live or something like that. I was kind of hoping for 2K College Hoops, but uh, uh, I, I we'll probably do EA for both. But NCAA announced last Thursday that it is looking to allow student athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness starting in 2021. Also, coming with the uh, one time transfer rule being voted on soon and possibly being allowed for this summer. So, uh, it's a pretty foregone conclusion, but I assume you guys are cool with letting athletes get paid for their name, image, and likeness. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see. It's just so stupid how, like, the NCAA is shutting down kids with YouTube channels and stuff like that who yeah. are getting sponsorships. Like, NCAA is is just, I mean, essentially a tyranny. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, let, let the kids make money off of, you know, themselves. 
Yeah. I definitely um, agree with the, that. So I think this was kind of spurred on by uh, Justin's friends over at the G League. I, I don't know if you know <laughs> anyone uh, at the G League, Justin, but like since they started offering all, the bag to all those young kids, like, and yep. I, I like Florida in California had already put in a law like to allow. I didn't know it was against the law to pay college athletes, but like maybe it was provision or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I just like they didn't mention this in the original press release. It was just about like letting kids get paid for advertisements. But right. like when do jersey sales eventually come into this? Like like, you know how much like a retro like Kenyon Martin jersey like with the actual name Martin on it or like a, right. a Gary Clark Jersey with the name Clark on it, or, you know, like a, uh, like a Jaron Cumberland Jersey from this year with his name on it. Like mm-hmm. uh, those would have sold like hotcakes and they would like, st- I think Travis Kelsey is getting the cut of the sales of his Jersey that are being sold by UC right now uh, mm-hmm. with a UC 18 Kelsey Jersey. But uh, like, I would love to like have jerseys come back uh, in the future. And I would love to like have them customize and knowing that my purchase, like a little bit goes back into their pocket. And like, yeah, honestly, like these guys were getting paid on the side anyway. Like if we're just going to make it legit, you know, then right. that's good. That's good. I, I, I have to say too, I think there's, there's an element of, there's an element of it that I still am a little fishy on when it comes to paying them, because obviously, you know, I want them, I want athletes to be paid, want them to be able to make the revenue that they quite honestly deserve more than probably sometimes even, you know, the coaching staff or whoever, whoever it might be, because those guys are the name on the field. Those guys are the ones generating the numbers. Think about a guy like Joe Burrow. Think about how much money Joe Burrow individually as an individual brought to LSU this season. I mean, it was like, he's yep, been a bit. His performance was disgusting. And to think about a guy like Burrow not making a dime off of all of the times his name was said this year on ESPN, you know, sports, whatever it might be. I think I think that there's the only thing that still kind of makes me iffy is whether or not we pay those players the same. Because obviously not every player necessarily would probably be paid the same. But I think there has to be some kind of um, like tier kind of format put in place where certain players are, you know, are paid a certain amount. You can't, you can't just say that, you know, a guy that's on your, who's your starting tackle for UC and Desmond Ritter should be paid the same and or differently because while they might, you know, perform at a different level, they definitely should make different revenue. But I, I don't know how you kind of, um, delegate who makes the most money because I also don't want to get to a point where it's like you hear about guys like in Arizona where they're getting paid like 200k to go to school when a school has the money and the athletic department has the money to just shell out it's going to be a little scary to see some of those smaller schools athletic programs just fall flat on their face because they can't pay $200,000 to get you know whoever that star guy might be so yeah. I I, I I, that's where I'm still iffy, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to stay on this for too long. I just think that someone should be able to, uh, play NCAA sports games and enjoy it. (laughs) Um, and I think that someone should be me. So, yes. 
Um, real quick, we are getting ready to close up the show, but I do have some quick bits that I want to mention um, and get your guys' takes on. Um, I think that this is the perfect time to demolish Crosley Tower because no one's on campus. Yes. Um, and there is no traffic either. Like, if it's in UC's plans, just do it now. Because they're yeah. not going to have to close like any parts of campus that people are actively using. If you need to close off a part a part of MLK for a few hours or a day, like you're not going to disrupt traffic that much, except for ambulances. So, which don't get me wrong, are important, but I'm saying like the majority of traffic is not there. I just had an idea, and it's an idea. So listen, do we demolish Crosley Tower ourselves? Yes. <laughs> yes and no. This is very sarcastic, but could be interesting. What if you just if you just like took out like a like a tree, just hatched that little corner out of Crosley and made it fall flat onto MLK so it doesn't damage DAP, it doesn't damage Langsum, anything like that. It just falls flat and then like uh what is it? Sequoia National Park, you know how they all the trees that are down, instead of cutting them up and moving them, they just cut a hole through it and you just drive straight through it. Imagine just driving through the skeleton of Crosby <laughs> over MLK and they turn it into a bridge to Burnett Woods. It'd be I don't a know. It'd be, I don't know if the <laughs> National Park Board would like that on for Burnett Woods, but you know, hey. Burnett but, Woods um, National Park. Highlighted by Crosley Bridge. Yep. It would be <laughs> make it one of those nature tunnels with like or nature bridges with grass over top. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sure. just walk. Yeah, you can walk to and from uh, Burnett Woods and campus. Uh, that would also let in more wildlife onto campus. Uh, um, more more squirrels, possibly a deer. Um, <laughs> a deer? <laughs> a deer. I said that intentionally. <laughs> um, but dirt? yeah, tunnel would be cool. Um, I just if they're gonna destroy it, just do it now. Yeah, that's I, I'm I'm with you on that. I hadn't really thought about that much, but that's now is probably the best time, especially with the increase in enrollment every single year, like that multiplies. This is the only chance that they will ever get to at least get a head start on it. Yep. Yep. So um so next bit is that I don't know if you saw this, um, but Ruth's Chris kinda has history with UC. Um mainly because of the Georgia State head coach before the uh, 2018 tournament that did get canceled, unfortunately. But he said that <laughs> yeah. um, they eat at, what was it, uh, McDonald's? Wendy's. They, they, Wendy's. We eat at Wendy's, they eat at Ruth's Chris. Yeah, uh -huh. so Cincinnati okay. eats at Ruth's Chris, um, but apparently not enough because Ruth's Chris, uh, which is a massive steakhouse chain, uh, <laughs> claimed $20 million of the Ohio small business uh, loan plan. Um <laughs> Which, is, or not loan, but relief plan, which is just awful. And they are returning it. Um, and a bunch of other of these like massive chains uh, who took out part of the relief plan re are returning it as well after huge public backlash. But just what idiots to take 20 million of a small business relief. They got yeah. their hands stuck in the cookie jar and then they got slapped. <laughs> yep. Get out of here. They didn't get slapped. They just had the cookie jar lid just smashed. Ah, sorry, sorry. Get out of here. <laughs> cookie jar was full of mouse traps. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, so catch me uh, hitting a local steakhouse. Uh, not yes. Jeff Ruby. He's a weird. Uh, well, it's Hitching Post. Uh, maybe we can get them to sponsor the pod. So. Kennings. So honestly, honestly, Jeff Ruby would probably come on the podcast because he likes uh, hanging out with high schoolers. Oh, so. All right, all right, all right. Uh. <laughs> hey, I saw him at a couple Coleraine games. He's oh, he, came, he came to Loveland games all the time. It was super weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Next point. Uh, this is actually, if any X fans are listening, uh, Norwood State love, uh, direct your attention to what I'm about to say. Um, it is okay to inject yourself with bleach um, or disinfectant. Um, follow what our wonderful president says. He knows all. Um, and yeah, it's totally safe and you should do it. Um, yes. But Let, now to all the body. Yeah, yeah and, now to uh, all the Bearcat fans listening, um, don't inject yourself with disinfectant or bleach. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And that's all, all I have to say about that. Um, you know, if you're if you're gonna bleach something, you know, bleach your clothes or bleach your pants or bleach your bleach your toilet. For God's sakes, no, we're not doing that. Bleach bleach anything, honestly. That just bleach does your not hair. involve yourself. That's why I, I thought I said hair. Did I not say hair? Bleach your you hair. You never said hair, which I is what you it. did. I did it. It's <laughs> just don't ingest it. We've already we we've come to a consensus in society that this is a bad thing. I don't know why we're at a point where we have to actually say this again to not do it. But. Yep. Um, next point is that Taft's Brewporium got the one bite treatment. Um, they sent a frozen pizza to, uh, Davy page views and he gave it a decent score. They, uh, they said, yeah, they said it was new Haven style, um, which he said he sees it, you know, with the, uh, crispy crust and the thin, uh, like the thinner portions. Um, but he doesn't like Parmesan on top. So Taft's take notice. And you yeah. can't come into the King's wheelhouse and like do that. Like, uh, obviously, it's probably be better fresh out of the oven. But like, come on, Tafts, let's uh, let's figure it out there. And they DM the account. They were all excited and waiting for the release. They still retweeted it, thank God. But like, yep. uh, uh, five nine is not the compared to the rest it, of that list. They did pretty well. Okay. Yeah, because, right. because it was frozen. It was frozen pizza, so he was grading it based on frozen. Um, which once again. If it's fresh, it's better. I actually got it last night because on Saturdays and Sundays, they have a deal where you get a large, uh, up to two topping pizza and a full growler for only $27. It's pretty Great good. Deal. Fantastic Great deal. deal. Um, but yeah, congrats to Tafts. Uh, you made it. You got those page views. Um, next up on the rundown, Korean baseball is set to begin play on May 5th. So Maybe we'll have a way to stream that in the States, um, but it will get us some type of sports fix, kind of the same way that uh, The Last Dance, which we'll do a full review on later, um, and the draft has been. So hopefully Korean baseball uh, is all it's hyped up to be. Live, yeah. live sports again. The the Taiwan League uh, has been electric. They've been putting out clips on Twitter and like of uh, just the, and having the fans like as mannequins in the stands has been uh, more electric than I thought it would be. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if KBO comes back, I, I read a re- proposal that baseball might come back in uh, July, obviously with no fans. But like we got to get some of those weird mannequins in the stands. Like I want to oh, see yeah. a mannequin wearing a Reds hat uh, and like oh, saying "fuck the Cardinals" or something. Um, <laughs> And then gaffer in the stands. Yeah, former Red Dan Straley is actually playing in Korean Baseball League. Um, and real quick, you mentioned the no fans uh, for Major League Baseball. I once again just want to uh, say R.I.P. in peace to Justin and I who bought season tickets uh, this year. Yeah. So next year, uh, always next year. Yeah, I know there's a class action lawsuit against Major League Baseball right now for ticket refunds. So Justin, we can hop on that train. Yeah, I'm sure the MLS is probably the same way too. Yeah. Uh, and then final topic of the entire show, um, the athletic 
ranked their best college basketball jerseys, and the UC Jordan basketball jersey ranked as their fifth best of all time. Of all college jerseys ever. Of yep. all time. I would really love to know from a UC personnel uh choice back in the day why uh the decision was made to go away from jordan i believe it was just because hugs was represented by jordan and that was kind of the reason once he left like or he was not a nike and somebody got jordan but yeah whatever doesn't matter just give us the jump man houston houston is wearing the jump man san diego state is wearing the jump man like come on now like you're saying we can't get the jump man and look and have better jerseys than both of those red and black teams i my my only my only thought is there are other brands too that are starting to get back into basketball so i think it could be interesting in the future if we would see not necessarily for uc but other schools maybe representing puma and new balance considering they're both starting to get into basketball again what about champion champion no sorry russell athletics yeah (laughs) starter brand yeah (laughs) starberry Oh, Ooh, Starberry, awesome. that's a throwback. I had a Steven couple pairs Barry's of those. Baby. All right. Well, this has been Viva La Cats. Very long show today. Thank you all for sticking with us. Um, you're already listening either on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, but go ahead and tell a friend to find us on those uh, on those formats just by searching for Viva La Cats. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Viva La Cats Pod. For Josh Miller, who left a little bit ago, um, RIP to him. Um, but also for Justin Hiles, Jimmy Nippert, I'm Joel Spencer, and this has been Viva La Cats. Viva La Cats!